Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of About to Review. I'm your host, that guy named John, and today is going to be a special episode. I'm joined by uh, a very special guest, Nicholas Genie, who is a local director and writer who has a new movie coming out called Beta Test. Thanks for being on, Nick. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So first, for those people who have not you know, yet seen the trailer, tell us a little bit about beta test uh so uh, my my goal with the film was to try and create like a 90s uh like a throwback to 90s action films on on the indie level with like an indie twist if you will Mm -hmm. um so the movie is basically about this uh this video game tester named max troy who uh, works for this corporation called sentinel who is i guess our movie versions you know uh it would be like an evil version of apple and microsoft combined right okay and they're like the, the new leading designer in game technology sentinels this company and so he works for sentinel um and he just received a new beta test mm-hmm. and it's the title and um and he starts realizing as he's playing this game that the events in this video game are starting to mirror events out in the city okay and uh, he starts realizing that the main character that he's he's playing in this game is actually a real man of flesh and blood who who is being controlled somehow by this system. And so he's got to, you know, as 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 you know, uh, things kind of start falling apart. He he needs to kind of connect with this guy and find out who's behind it and why, and and lift the curtain on on all the, uh, the conspiracy. Now with this, so you are the writer and the director. What kind of inspired you to do? this video game take on things and a producer too you, you wear you wear oh, many, wow. there you go <laughs> you wear many hats in the indie film world mm-hmm. um you know it's funny um I, i'm actually not a big gamer myself uh I, I always kind of refer to myself as a uh mario kart golden eye kind of guy uh you <laughs> classics know, I, nostalgia there you go i grew up I grew up watching, you know, playing Mario with my dad every night and, and all the classics. Um, but at a certain point, you know, my love of movies just kind of took over and, and, and I put the controllers down. And so I never really got into, you know, Warcraft and, and mm-hmm. Halo and all those kinds of popular games of, of the last uh, 10 years or so. Um, film is definitely my first love. But, but I've always respected and appreciated uh, the power uh, of video game culture uh-huh. uh, in the 21st century. And so I thought it would be, first and foremost, um, I thought it would be a very fascinating way to uh, create a, a, a unique, independent action film um, and, and, it, uh, and allow us to avoid filming large par- portions of, of entire action sequences that would that would be... Um, you know, uh, animated in these video game sequences. Right. You know, what that allowed for us to do is to basically have kind of over-the-top action and, and crazy stunts um, that we would never have been able to afford uh, <laughs> in, to, to shoot live action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so, so uh, that kind of gimmick, that whole idea, was, was kind of the foundation of, of where Beta Test came from. Like, how can I pull off an action movie for just about $2 million mm-hmm. um, without it looking super cheap and super terrible. Like all those, <laughs> like all those indie film, indie action films that you see out there, you know, mm-hmm. um, most of my, my film beta test has the, pretty much the same budget as a lot of these Steven Seagal films and John Claude Van Damme films and oh, dark boy. <laughs> films and all those indie action films that are out there. Mm-hmm. The is, is I, I really wanted to create a way to present the action that respected the budget limitations mm-hmm. rather than stretched it beyond its means, right? Yeah. And so that's too commonly the problem is these producers will, will just throw these action films together um, without having the proper funds to execute the material that they're, they're trying to, uh, to to show on screen, right? So I, I created this intimate action movie, and, and a lot of it is in Max's living room as he's playing this game and we're we're mm-hmm. cutting in very strategic moments cutting to to live action segments that we filmed of these action sequences um that are kind of intercut with all this this gaming footage so it's 
Um, it was it was a way to create an indie indie film that um, that respected you know like I said respected the budget limitations. Absolutely no, I mean that definitely makes sense. And you bring up a good point that you know as all independent filmmakers, yeah, you're the writer, director, producer. Are you also the best boy? I still have no idea what that term means. Uh, best boy, best boy works <laughs> in the in the um, grip and electric department. You know they they um, you know they're they're the best boy. You know, oh, they, right? Of course, they, they do. They do. You know, they they are one of the the, the, the key the keys in the grip and electric department. Excellent. All right. I mean, yeah, because I I had no idea. I would always see that in at the end credits, and I was like, good for that person, right? Like you. I mean, you have several layers. Like you know, you've got the gaffer who's the head of head of the lighting uh, grip and electric department. Mm-hmm. And then you've, you've got like the key grip and best boy, and then and then various grips, doll grip, that kind of thing. It's it's a uh, very, very old, old time uh, uh, terminology. Terminology, yeah. Gotcha. Is that like the the film version of kind of the roadies? So like sometimes I mean, they, they will kind of like you know put I stuff here the, and there. I heard the rumor, you know, that, that the best boy was somebody's cousin at some point. You know, <laughs> I would and, not be surprised. And, and that's kind of kind of stuck. Especially you know thinking of kind of old Hollywood, I could see that. Totally right. Okay, so speaking of the fight scenes and the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. So I heard a rumor that you guys have the current world record for the longest uncut fight scene. We do. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. I mean, basically what happened, you know, so, so aside from trying to develop um, kind of a unique gimmick uh, to execute an indie action film, mm-hmm. that didn't make it look like it was stretching beyond its means. Um, I also, I also realized that if I was going to make an action film that could in any way, uh, stand up to or compete with the, the bigger films that are that are being thrown out from Hollywood. I needed to come up with some kind of spectacle that could wow an audience, and we mm-hmm. didn't have the budget for giant transforming robots or or uh, you know invading alien spaceships or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I said, well, oh, obviously, I'll just create the longest long take fight sequence ever filmed, <laughs> and and so you know, I, ambitious. I, I knew it was. I knew it was very ambitious. And in fact, if you read the script, it says now begins the longest long take fight sequence ever filmed. No way. <laughs> that says it right there. Yeah, and, and everybody would read that, and they would be like, uh, "Yeah, whatever." You know, <laughs> right. um, nobody, nobody thought that we were able to going to be able to pull this off. My crew didn't believe that we were going to be able to pull this off. The actors didn't think we were going to be able to pull this off. But I, but I knew that we had to because if we didn't. Um, then, then that, that level of spectacle would be severely diminished and we wouldn't have that real, that third act punch that, mm-hmm. that, that action movies need, you know? Um, and so I, I had consulted with uh, a couple of very high level Hollywood stunt teams about this, uh, before I approached it. Um, and, and the, 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 the most, uh, interesting one of those meetings was with the team that just did the long take fight sequence in, uh, Batman v Superman. There's this, the this warehouse one- scene. No, it's actually, and a lot of people don't even remember that it's all one shot. But there's in a post-apocalyptic nightmare scene. Oh where yeah, fighting all those guys. It's it's a, it's one continuous shot, and it's like one and a half minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, a pretty cool little scene. Um, and the guys that did that also did the, the long takes that you see in like the Book of Eli. Okay. Um, and, and a those guys, of, those guys must really like desert fight scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that's why they were hired for Batman. Right. <laughs> Book of Eli. But um, but anyway, these guys are super pro. Like they are the the, the pro of the pro. Mm-hmm. And I and and through um, uh, Yuji Akamoto, who's a who's uh, one of the stars of the film and who is actually a local uh, actor here. Right. Uh, he, he was the villain in Karate Kid too. Uh, yeah, chosen right. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he actually came on as an associate producer and helped me kind of put this long take te- the team of long take fighters together. So he actually hooked me up with the, the Batman uh, stunt crew. And, and we started chatting, and they were like, okay, uh, you're going to need 10 weeks of rehearsal, 30 Hollywood stunt guys, you know, this, um, this huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we've got about 10 days, right? And, and we've got five Hollywood stunt guys and a huge group of amateur Seattle stuntmen slash actors slash martial artists mm-hmm. who... Uh, have never thrown a punch on screen before in large part. Wow. So they, so they pretty much just laughed me out of the room. Right, right of course. <laughs> they're like, there's no way you're going to pull this off. Pull this off. Don't make yourself look stupid. <laughs> and and 
and went forward anyway because I, I knew that I had to, to, to try and roll for the hard six, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, we did it. And I think that the, you know, and I think that the only, we, we, we did it, not only did it, but we did it on the first try. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to, and to tell you, honestly, I think the reason that we, we pulled it off, not only did we pull it off but on the first try is, is because of all the people that we had involved, you know, um, they, they were amateurs and they, mm-hmm. and they, they hadn't done this before, but they were, they had a fire. They were wow. hungry. They wanted, they wanted to be a part of something special. And, and I think that energy and that attitude, um, is what made it happen. I tell, you know, I tell everybody, you know, when, whenever I'm hiring people for various crew positions on mm-hmm. a film, I say to them, look, I don't care whether you're the most experienced or the least experienced person for the job. It's about your attitude. If you, have the, right, if you have the right attitude, you can learn anything. You can accomplish anything. And that's what we did. You know? Wow. I mean, I feel I feel a little slighted. I did not get a call to be a random guy who might a get punched or b punch somebody. So maybe in your next film, we, we hey, can work well, that out. We, we will we will keep you in mind for the next one <laughs> because I, I at this point I've just got to outdo myself, right? I, of course, I can't, you know. So that will definitely be uh, <laughs> in the cards. Fantastic, because that was actually that was one of my kind of follow up questions with that is with a long fight scene like that. You know, I was like. Was this planned beforehand or was this like, all right, this is my idea for a fight scene and it ended up being that long. But it sounds like you had this in the cards from the beginning, which is even more incredible. Yeah, I knew. Like, yeah, like I said, I mean, I knew that we, it just had to be done. And and um, my crew, uh, my, my DP, my second unit director and a few others, my stunt coordinator, you know, they were all like, look, let's go for it. But when we don't, <laughs> but when we don't get it. We should stop and shoot a bunch of coverage. Mm. And I was, and I was like, no. If we don't get it, we do it again. We do it again, and we do it again. And we, and and then we will get it. And mm-hmm. um, and we planned for twelve takes worth. We had twelve wow. takes worth of materials. Um, and when we got it on the first try, I remember I looked right over at my special effects supervisor, you know, who brought, who, you know, supplied all the expensive stuff like squibs and, and breakaway glass and, mm-hmm. and breakaway breakaway trees and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, and, and I was, I looked at him and I was like, can I get like a refund for 11 takes? <laughs> and, and he was just, he just shook his head in way, you know, yeah, no refunds, buddy. Sorry. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm already doing this thing for pennies. I'm keeping it. Right. So um, then, yeah, at that point you just kind of gave it all back to him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, basically the agreement was like, look, if I ever need any breakaway glass or squibs or broken trees, Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, you know, he's the man I go to, right? So, so you uh, you now have that guy. All right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And that that, that guy's he's a really talented special effects uh, supervisor. His name's Casey Pritchett. He works on The Walking Dead and a lot of uh, big films. Nice. Um, and he lives here. He's local here. He lives in Gig Harbor. Oh wow! Good for uh, him. Uh, yeah, yeah. We we most of the crew uh, are locals, you know. And I, it was very important to me to make a Seattle film. I wanted to show the film community that we could make an action movie, mm-hmm. you know, because most of the films that come out of the Northwest are, are, you know, you get your really, really low budget kind of stock horror movies that come out of here. And, mm-hmm. then, you've got, and then you've got like the, the, the indie dramas and the, and the quirky little comedies, but no one really goes for the action. And, and, and I think we might be one of the first action movies that's ever been shot here. I think there was like a oh, scene. Wow. I think there was a scene from assassins, the Stallone movie in like okay. 95 that was shot here. There was like a, there was like a couple of, shooting scene shot here um and aside from that there was there was one film in the 70s um god i forgot what it was called but it but it, there was like a scene on the top of the space needle um hmm. which is a goal of mine i will have a scene on the top of the oh, space needle. that would be incredible because yeah you think about movies you know what was that uh from a few years ago chronicle you know that kind of right, superhero right. movie you that, know that was not shot here right yeah exactly and so like that was the thing is you know, people are seeing this and, you know, seeing the Space Needle talk about an epic scene. And it was like, right. yeah, but they did not shoot that here. So I think it is awesome that, you know, you shot it here. You wanted it, you wanted it to have, you know, that Seattle feel. Well, it wasn't just for the Seattle feel. It was for the Seattle film community. I, I grew up in the Northwest. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a Seattle guy. Mm-hmm. I, I did live in L.A. for about seven years. Um, but, but I came back when I realized that, that, that trying to make it in Los Angeles as an outsider mm. is, is, is like ice skating uphill. Right. 
know? And and so I realized that if I would have take what I'd learned from film school, you know, I went to USC, which is one of the most prestigious film schools. Absolutely. Uh, if I took what I learned from there and all the connections I'd, I'd put together, um, you know, maybe I could stand out a little more. Maybe I could be a bigger fish in a smaller pond mm-hmm. in the Northwest. And so that's been kind of my approach. And, and so, I mean, on one hand, yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making these movies definitely that, to capture that Seattle look because I think a lot of films look like LA and look like New York or right. look like, look like Canada, but they don't, they, 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 there aren't many films that are shot in Seattle. And so it gives it kind of a unique vibe um, in terms of its aesthetic uh, uh, palette. But, um, but on top of that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting the movies here because I would like to see the Northwest or excuse me, specifically uh, Washington become a greater hub for, for filmmakers. Um, and there's no reason why it can't, you know, uh, yeah. there, are, there are a couple of hurdles like the, we have a, uh, we have a pathetic uh, incentive program that is eclipsed both north and south of us in Vancouver and Oregon. Right, right. Uh, and and you know the legislation uh, legislators here just don't quite get it, or a lot of them just don't quite get the impact that a larger incentive can have, mm-hmm. uh, not just for the film community, but for but for the local economy. You know? Absolutely. So. I'm hoping and praying that you know you keep you keep making films here and 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 and, and hopefully bigger films and then maybe they'll um, rise up. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely I mean speaking of kind of cheesy action movies, you know, especially ones that were filmed in Washington, there definitely have been quite a few movies filmed in Spokane in Eastern Washington. That is a good point. There have been, yeah, Spokane. We, but Spokane's not really Washington. That's like oh hey, well them them they'll be fighting like, words. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just. It's 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 I I've always felt that Washington is kind of like two states in one. It's almost like California. Yeah, that way. yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the the West Coast in general, kind of the I five corridor yes. and and West, right? You know, is what most people know. The I five right. corridor and East kind of turns into the Badlands. Totally, and and quite and 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 to add to them fighting words, it's your <laughs> it's your bros on the East side that are keeping that that incentive from coming through. I mean, because yeah. it is kind of crazy when you think about like Cuba Gooding Jr. has done like I think five movies in Spokane. Chuck That's Norris true. did did Correct. a couple. Uh, he was in a terrible one that, yes, I own it on DVD uh, uh-huh. called The Cutter or something. Uh-huh. Just absolutely terrible action totally movies. Right. You're totally right. I should amend my statement. We're one of the first Western Washington. <laughs> Um, I apologize for my elitist attitude towards <laughs> this part of the state. Um, but yeah, you're right. There, there is a, there is a company out in Spokane that churns out, uh, these, these low budget, terrible action films. And, and, and it, and it's kind of sad that a production company in, well, they're, they're really going to hate me for this, but it's kind of <laughs> sad that a production company in Washington, uh, is, is in large part responsible for the crap that we see on Netflix. My whole point with beta test was in hopes uh, to to help change the conversation. There's no right. need. There's no. There's there's no reason why these little films uh, have to be bad. They don't have to be bad. Mm-hmm. We just need to. We just need to demand a little bit more creativity, and we need to demand that the producers who make these films respect the limitations of their budget and make a film that should be made for two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Make a film that is trying to be a fifty million dollar movie for two million dollars. Oof, yeah. Oh, I I can definitely agree with that, kid. Because we definitely have seen, you know, a lot of movies that try a little bit too hard with the the graphics, maybe the CGI, or they just you know, just kind of kind of stay in your lane. You know, right. stay in your lane. Very very well put. Stay in your lane. And I, I, honestly, that uh, attitude, this this um, this reaching beyond your means attitude, is. Is I would say an epidemic on the western part of the state too. A lot of the the ultra low budget features, most mm-hmm. of the features that get shot here are these twenty thousand dollar budget films, and and you know some of them are, are, are you know play at SIF and some of them mm-hmm. play at SIF, um, but but most of these ultra low budget films are are sad to say masquer- masquerading around like something you know much bigger. Mm. Uh, and, and you know it's like they're they're trying to be almost like a James Cameron movie or something. You know, right. when, when when in reality the only kind of film, the only twenty thousand dollar budget movie that an audience wants to see is something like 
Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity or okay. something that's supposed to be really, really, really small. Because because as audience members, Hollywood has conditioned us. We've been conditioned to expect a certain amount, uh, you know, a certain budget level from mm-hmm. certain certain types of films. You see a, 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 a you know a drama, a coming of age drama, um, and you, you, your 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 brain expects Tom Cruise to star in it. And you know, big production values, mm-hmm. and, and you know, Oscar Oscar banners, you know, uh, award award season buzz, and all that kind of stuff. But if you're going to try and make a coming of age drama for twenty grand with uh, local actors who've never been you know, in anything significant, mm-hmm. um, no, one, no one cares about that film. You know, no, mm. one, no, no one cares about those 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 films. You need to have elements in those movies um that that will make an audience want to see them yeah so, so my advice my advice to filmmakers who are making these, these ultra low budget movies to say wait raise some more <laughs> wait raise some more money and make it right because because the only way that an ultra low budget movie is going to be successful is if you either come up with some crazy new gimmick like Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity right. did or if your script is a, a crazy piece of Shakespeare gold. Yeah, just airtight. And, and the chances of that uh, are, are are slim to none. And to, and I think that it's not wise for filmmakers to delude themselves into thinking that their script is that powerful. You know, that's why you pad. That's why films pad their their, their themselves with name actors or um, you know visual set pieces, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a, if it's a genre kind of movie, you need those kinds of elements to ensure the success of the film. And, and if you're not, um, you're not incorporating those elements into your film, uh, whether it be name actors or, 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 or whatever, uh, it's not smart business. Mm-hmm. And so unless you are paying for this $20,000 movie yourself, um, it's, a, it's a disservice to the people that are backing you make a film without those kinds of elements incorporated, you know? Yeah, because it definitely, I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, when you have a movie that costs $120 million, like one of the Transformers films, all it has are those visual set pieces and a thin paper script. I mean, just like nothing. And and, and that's (laughs) that's a whole other argument. You know, they don't care about having... Right, exactly. Because they know that if if they... Plot in that formula, they'll make the money that they need to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that, that that trend starts to die off as um, the the bigger films that are in theaters become what is predominantly uh, what we see in theaters. You know, as we as we kind of move forward you know, in the next five to ten years, um, you're going to see a lot fewer films in theaters especially a lot fewer low budget films in theaters mm. and 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 it's it's going to become more and more like a broadway uh, event you know like going to the theater with your family and seeing a play it's going to be the star wars of the world and the and the marvel films of the world will be what are predominantly in theaters and the the, the beta tests and the, and even and even the 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 20 million dollar uh, drama starring mm-hmm. steve, steve carell is gonna go is gonna go straight to VOD or or very close to straight to VOD. Interesting. That, that is where we are headed. But the problem is is um, and so I hope that as we start heading there, there is a greater demand for quality from those big films that we are still seeing theaters and shelling out fifty dollars a piece to go see. Right. The prices will certainly increase. Oh yeah. Uh, as as fewer films are in theaters, it could, like I said, it'll become literally like an event. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, you're the, the, the theaters around here are, are starting to catch up to L.A. You know, there's there's there are theaters that are beginning to institute uh, reserved seating and mm-hmm. stuff, which is very much like going to the theater. True. You know? Yeah. So we're moving in that direction. Um, and uh, but the problem is, is that right now uh, our, the social consciousness of the movie of the movie going public in general has not quite evolved to uh accept uh straight to video product as quality yeah which is kind of crazy because things like netflix and amazon prime like they are quickly 
becoming their own networks and putting oh. out some really great stuff. And of course, oh, sure. when you have some great stuff, you are going to have some some less great stuff. Well, I mean, look at look at Beasts. Uh, uh, what was it? Beasts of No Nation. Oh yeah. And how that was kind of cast aside, mm-hmm. right? In large part, but it had this amazing performance from Idris Elba, and and uh, you know that I mean that that's a great example of what I'm talking about. Like we're just not quite there yet to embrace the straight to video market as as quality. And so what's going to happen is, in you know, in the next few years, more and more of these films will go straight to VOD, and so films like Beta Test will come out with. Films like Spotlight, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, turn to VOD, and and you know it, it'll become more and more embraced as a platform that is is just where the films that aren't Star Wars, right, appear. right, <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean I I would welcome that because Netflix again, I mean I just got the notification a couple days ago on my iPad. It was like your dues are now going to be nine ninety nine. It was like I got the same one. Like <laughs> who cares? Netflix yeah. is incredible it has millions of hours right. of of media and is constantly getting new stuff and so i i totally embrace it and i think well, that know, i would say if it was if it was five to ten years ago i would say no and i think that i or no you know maybe even 15 years ago mm-hmm. the reason that i embrace it is because of how far home theaters have come right and we're able to replicate in large part a really great theatrical experience now right in our living room and mm-hmm. and and that, to me, is a justification for this movement towards a, 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 a VOD market. You know, um, I, I, as a moviegoer, am now. You know, I'm, I'm getting older. My, my life is busy. I have a lot of things going on. I don't have time to just go see every single movie like I yep. used to when I was a kid. You know, and so I want. I would love to be able to sit down at the weekend and 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 click the new, you know, Oscar drama or whatever. That is coming out and just watch it right in my right in the living room. I don't I don't I don't necessarily want to go watch that film in theaters. I want yep. to go watch, I want to go watch Star Wars in theaters. I want to go watch you know Captain America in theaters and Batman be Superman in theaters. I don't want to I don't those those are the kinds of spectacles that I think demand a cinematic experience. Absolutely, because there will always be those movies that I mean again like I I go to press screenings all the time and a lot of times i'm like same the same exact thing that you were saying like do i really need to see this on a 30 foot screen exactly not really and, and you know i think james cameron and christopher nolan and steve you know and well maybe not steven spielberg but but a few uh, a few of these filmmakers would 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 really disagree with me you know they are really want to hold on to that theatrical experience mm-hmm. and i say i i too want to hold on to the theatrical experience but i think that it's going to be epic theatrical films you know yeah and and i I don't you know i don't see a problem with with heading in that direction so so i mean because the social consciousness is not quite there yet um i knew going into beta tests that um not only not only was it ambitious for this long take Mm -hmm. but but i knew that if it were going to have any kind of legitimate uh chance of not just success but 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 being viewed as as quality setting it apart from like Steven Seagal films of the world and the right. and films of the world, we needed that theatrical release. We needed to have that in our pocket, a solid indie theatrical release to tell audiences, look, we're not like the other indie action films out there. We're, we're solid. We're fun. Come see us, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. and so that, that was that. And so, and I think if I made beta test five years from now, that might be a different story, you know, right. but, but because of where we are right now, um, that indie that indie release is, is really important, and 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 what's even more exciting to me about the fact that we got such a cool release for Beta Test um, is that most action films of our budget level don't see a single theater. They don't. Yeah. And 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 so it, it to me it when we when we got the call that said hey we're going to put you in twenty theaters to start. <laughs> I, mean, I mean it was it was like getting it was like I would say the equivalent of getting into Sundance. You know, yeah, that is it, huge. It was like, holy shit, we we <laughs> did it. You know, we, this this uh, this movie could could turn into that cult success that I that I dreamed maybe it could be. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's you know that's 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 where we are with it. And I think I think that um, I hope that the audiences you know connect with it. The reviews certainly have been crazy kind to us. And mm-hmm. I, 
just makes me, you know, makes me hopeful. Yeah, because this is only your fourth film. Um, yeah, only my. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, uh, I've definitely uh, worked out my kinks. Right. <laughs> My previous films. I mean, I, I I started out. I was I was very overzealous. I really really wanted to make a film at a very young age, mm-hmm. and, I, and it, I, I don't think that it came from the right place. I, I I wanted to just direct a movie, and right. so I made a feature film when I was nineteen. Um, which Impressive. I love, which I lovingly refer to as the film that will not be named. And, really, because uh, I have the name right now on my stop. IMDb screen. Uh, <laughs> Don't do this to me. No, I mean, yeah, it's out there. You can't get away. I mean, it's like that haunting reminder. Right. That, 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 you know, that, but hey, that, it, keep, it keeps you humble. I mean, I think all of us oh, need those boy, reminders. I, I, to be honest with you, it, it totally does. Like, it, um, all the mistakes I've made have kept me humble, and, and I'm sure I'll make a million more. And, you know, that movie uh, was a crazy learning experience. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tell all my, my filmmaker friends, I'm like, look, it doesn't matter if you start making movies when you're 10 or, or, or 50. We all start at the same place. We're yep. all infants when we start this thing, and so when you you, you know when you see a lot of uh, filmmakers that are, are ten years older than me making really really bad films, it's not it's not because they're not talented. It's because they haven't grown up yet, hmm. right? Yeah. And I just I just started super early, and I made all my mistakes when I was nineteen, <laughs> right. twenty, two, and so now I'm, I'm thirty, and I and I and, and I have a movie that's sort of decent you know so (laughs) so it's 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 because i've made all the damn mistakes you could possibly make but Mm -hmm. but but what it also uh has done for me is it's given me a lot of uh wisdom in terms of 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 how to potholes to avoid right um and and so uh i i tell these filmmakers who are embarking on their first films look take it just stop for a sec and think about this (laughs) Because I made all the mistakes you're about to make, and it blew up in my face. And I'm telling you, you need to stop and make this the right way. You don't have to mm-hmm. be on your fourth film before people start liking what you're doing. You right. don't have you don't have to if you just stop and make it the right way. I I had to learn the hard way. I didn't have a guy. I didn't have a. a, a, a an experienced producer behind my back. I had to teach myself everything, learn from all my mistakes, and and and, and I still have you know a million things to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 learning from those mistakes and acknowledging those mistakes um, is what has allowed me to make a movie that um, you know is decent. You know. Yeah, and like so with like going back to like the learning experiences, like what was something specific about beta test? What was that learning experience for this film? I mean, it was. I mean, it was. Um, it was very much so the business. You know, um, okay. it, you, one of the, the one of the, the the biggest mistakes that a lot of young filmmakers make is that they don't uh, respect or acknowledge how important it is to really learn and understand the business of filmmaking. Hmm. They, they they come out of film school and they're like, I'm an artist. I'm gonna make my film. And <laughs> right. I'm gonna get it out there, and and they don't think about, uh, you know, what audiences want to see, mm-hmm. what a distributor wants to see, what kinds of things sell, how to sell your film, um, and if you if you study these things, if you really study the industry, which is a very fluid thing, it's a really difficult thing to pin down. You really have to kind of move with the waves of the industry and really kind of keep up to date with where it's, you know, where the next flux is. Mm -hmm. If you, if you tune into that channel and kind of, and kind of understand the pulse of the industry on the business side, then what that does is you start training your brain to start developing a story or a script or, or an idea from the ground up with both the creative and the business in mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you have that understanding of the business, you marry it with the creative from the very first keystroke, then you're you're on your way to creating a movie that is more marketable, that mm-hmm. has a greater chance of success, um, and that hopefully people will want to see. You know, and so that's I think my learning curve uh, from the first movie that will not be named to <laughs> beta test uh, was really uh, I mean obviously in terms of filmmaking and working with actors and all that stuff that that's a constant growing process. Mm-hmm. Constant growing process. But in terms of developing a project 
that people that, that could become successful. Um, that's, you know, that's, I think the biggest, uh, thing that I learned and brought to this one. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, you definitely, you know, you have, you have some big names in beta test. I mean, Manu uh, Bennett. Relatively sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lawrence Tate. I mean, it just, you know, recognizable names. And, and so when people see this trailer, you know, I think that definitely helps people, you know, kind of get that, maybe that toe in the water of independent filmmaking for them to recognize, oh, okay, this, you know, these people do not have to be, you know, in these big picture things. Sometimes like you just want to do an independent film. So it can be that kind of gateway drug into independent film. Right, 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 right. Right. So with that, and so real quick back to the, the fight scene. So you filmed that at Seattle city hall, right? Yes. Uh huh. That, I mean, how many, you know, layers of red tape did that take? (laughs) Uh, you know, it's funny. And they were very nervous about it. Right. Were, I mean, they were, they were very accommodating, but very nervous. Um, there had never been any kind of action sequence in there before. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was a really tough time because it was like at the, it was in budgeting season. So everyone was like in their offices, and, you know, like trying to work through the budget and everything. And here we are coming in with this loud, loud film crew trying to make this action scene. Um, um, you know, I, 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 you know, it's, 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 I think it was nerve wracking for everybody. And mm-hmm. we, we, we worked really closely with the Seattle film office and, and, um, you know, they were accommodating to my, uh, go for it attitude right? while also helping me understand, um, you know, uh, the red, the rules, the, the, or the, 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 the tight rope I had to walk on in order to make, you know, I'm, my, the, the filmmaker side of me, the director side of me is like, who cares about rules? Let's just get it, you know? <laughs> right. But, but then, you know, the producer side of me has to acknowledge that, you know, there are a lot of other people and, 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 uh, uh, businesses and all that kind of stuff that, that are affected right. by, by that go get it attitude. And so you have to acknowledge all that stuff. And so there was, a, you know, there was some growing, there were some growing pains there, but I think we met, uh, we met on some even ground at the end. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so I know that you are a huge diehard fan. Sure. That, that was kind of, would you say that was kind of your entry into the action movies? I'm going to say, uh, uh, I would say nineties action movies in general, but my favorite movie of all time is Terminator two judgment. Day. Amazing. Amazing movie. Yeah. Okay. Cause I've, I have a list of some of my favorite cheesy nineties oh, sure. films. Sure, man. And so, I was I was gonna throw the throw a couple out to you see see what some of yours are. Okay. So, so one of my favorite cheesy '90s action films, Best of the Best. Do you remember that one? Totally. Uh, that's that's a cheesy one for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I love Best of the Best. Um, Best of the Best is one of those movies that every time I watch it, I wish it could be more awesome <laughs> than right. it actually than it actually is. You know, like it like it ke- it has all these scenes that has the potential of being just like so emotional and so. Mm-hmm so like sappy and cool but but they don't quite get there it's oh, like they, no. <laughs> they get like i would say they get like 75 percent of the way there in every scene but you know you see the potential in every scene so i keep revisiting it uh, that's a good one that's definitely that's on the cheesy side for oh, sure. yeah just cheese fest and then you know you, you cannot talk about you know 90s action movies without talking about blood sport oh yeah 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 that's i, a, mean, I mean that's a classic and I mean, that, again that's yeah, very, very, you know, it's it's dated and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, it's uh, one of one of Van Damme's earlier uh, successes, right? It was actually his first movie. From, That's right. From That's what right. I remember. Although, here's a little bit of Van Damme trivia, which is ridiculous that I know this. Okay. So, the first time he was on screen, like, for a movie, was actually in the movie Breakin', the breakdance movie. So, oh. in the beginning of the movie there at... Uh, like Venice Beach, you know, breakdancing, and you see him in the background in yeah. this leotard right. with like spaghetti straps, just dancing like a fool. It is incredible. I will have to find the clip and send it to you. Awesome. <laughs> so that was Bloodsport. Um, and yeah, then you have ones like, you know, Cliffhanger. Sure. You know, another one that just, I mean, it is tough to find a sly movie, Sylvester Stallone movie from that time. That was not just a cheese fest. Sure, sure, sure. So those are some of mine. Like, what are other than because like Terminator Two 
is a brilliant film. Die yes. Hard is a great film. When oh, it comes to like cheesy action yeah. movies, right. what, are, what are your guilty pleasures? Demolition Man. Oh, nice pull. Demolition Man is, is, is definitely on the list there. Um, I mean, that was, again, Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Uh, Sandra Bullock, she was in that also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Speed uh, is, a, is a really cool cheesy one, cheesy one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, you can argue, I mean, I guess I argue this is a great film too, but I love True Lies. I love, I love, <laughs> okay. I love the satire of True Lies mm-hmm. and how it's, it's kind of poking fun at, at, at action movies. Oh, yeah. So I think that's what elevates that movie to me as 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 like a great a great movie. But and it's also directed by James Cameron, who apparently can do no wrong. Apparently, uh, even with a movie like True Lies, right? So you're not a big True Lies fan, huh? I mean, I am. I remember it. It is one of the one. It is not a '90s movie that I go back to. You wow. know, kind of put that in perspective. Last, like, when was the last time you watched it? Oh man. Uh, quite a few years ago, <laughs> dude, dude. You got to just sit down and watch True Lies again. And then let's revisit this conversation. Okay. <laughs> like I, I, every time I, th- I think about action movies from the nineties, I'm like, Oh my God, true lies. Oh my God. I, that's, I, that's okay. That's that, I, and, and you know, quite honestly, I don't hear that perspective very often that someone doesn't really gel with that movie. I yeah. Just, I mean, I, I like, I, I like it. I remember, I mean, I especially remember I'm a huge comic book collector. Sure. So uh-huh. all of the comic books, you know, that was advertised in there, which I always thought was kind of weird. Right, right, right. Huh, interesting. But yeah, I will, I will definitely revisit it just for you. Okay, thank you so much. So uh, in the land of kind of reboots and everything is getting rehashed, if, mm-hmm. you, if you were to be given a franchise, either from kind of the 90s or 80s action, what would it be? Highlander. Oh my gosh, another great pull. <laughs> Talk about I, a franchise I, that just refuses to die well my highlander is a really interesting one because i mean obviously i'd love to direct like the the, the final terminator film and just mm-hmm. close the franchise out and i actually feel like i have a pretty cool idea for a final terminator Ooh, film okay uh, that would be a totally different uh kind of ter- a totally different movie that, that i think would tie the story up you know? but, but but highlander is a is a is a is a an amazing story and it's 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 a very intimate story but mm-hmm. it's also at the same time very epic and I, I and i i have a feeling that i know why it's taken so long for a remake of highlander to hit the screen it's because probably most directors that come in to talk about what they would do for that film mm-hmm. they're thinking about oh you make it a 150 million dollar blockbuster with these giant period piece set pieces and <laughs> right right and i'm like whoa think about why highlander was as successful as it was at first highlander was made for like a six million dollar on a six million dollar budget yeah it it only had like four set pieces yeah they didn't have have money and what that did is it forced them to be creative and make an intimate story with grand implications nice very well put and that whole idea intimate story with grand implications that's like where I dwell, man. That's 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 beta test. And it's 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 that's and then quite honestly, when I approached beta test, I was like, I kinda want this to be my audition for Highlander. I mean I, <laughs> awesome. I, I end the movie with a sword fight on the rooftop of a I saw that. Yeah. So you know, yeah, I mean Highlander is a movie that has a great story, um, that is beloved by many, many people. Mm-hmm. But but and and the first film is awesome, but it's really dated. Really, oh, really, it is it is a tough really, watch, especially yeah. like you get into the second one where they are aliens. I guess well, that's not even that. that <laughs> the, the sequels don't exist. Okay, we're talking about the first Highlander. The first one, yeah, the first Highlander. I mean, the first Highlander is like I said, it's a great movie, but it's very very dated. And so if you're going to if you're going to reboot anything, that to me is a no brainer. You know, uh, but but it has to be done right. Mm-hmm. It has to be and I am honestly the way I would approach it is is you take the original script, update it for the twenty first century, mm-hmm. shoot that. You don't need to make it a hundred million dollar blockbuster. You make True. it for like, you make it for like thirty million bucks and make it special and intimate, just like they did with uh, Deadpool. You know, they right. they they were handcuffed by this lower budget, um, and look what they did with that man. They made the most successful. 20th Century Fox Marvel movie and one of the most successful of all the Marvel movies. Yeah. 
on a $50 million budget. Crazy. Again, because to your point, because of that budget, it forced them to be creative. Exactly. Right. I, I, I remember I was in a, um, I was in this seminar once with John Ottman, who's the composer and editor for Burn Singer. Okay. We were talking about uh, Superman Returns, which was a you know it was kind oh, yeah. of a, it was kind of a misfire, and and it had a really bloated budget. It was like two hundred fifty. Oh, million. it was it was insane, and it all for Brian Singer to basically be like, "I love Richard Donner's movie. Right. How would right. I remake it?" <laughs> right. So so at the time, I was a fan of the film purely for nostalgia's sake. I didn't think it was the right Superman movie to make, but mm-hmm. I, I still enjoyed it, what it was. But but um, when I when I when I, when I chatted with John Ottman about it. It, it, it showed me just how lazy Hollywood filmmakers are. So they, they went into it. So he was telling us a story about how they shot the the, se- the, the plane sequence where Superman goes and saves mm-hmm. the plane that Lois is on, and how when they got into the edited room, editing room, there was like all there were all these pieces and important moments that scene that they never even considered to shoot. So then once he edited like a rough cut of the scene together that didn't really work, mm-hmm. he, he then wrote up notes of exactly what they needed handed it off and they, you know, spent millions of dollars going back and, 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 and doing reshoots to get those things. Wow. And I'm like, you do, you do not have that ability on an independent film. You need to get it right on your first try or, mm-hmm. you're, or you're screwed. And, you know, and that's, that's the, the, the downside of this, of this blank check that Hollywood hands to filmmakers is it, is it, is it allows them to become lazy and to not uh, cre- creatively accomplish uh, various scenes, and so then you have these these movies that are just tossed together, um, pieced together, little mm-hmm. by little, without a ton of creativity behind it. And it's you know, and that's that's I, I think that you should limit filmmakers purposefully. You should force them to fit their movie into a budget that doesn't they, they, that they don't think they can pull it off in, and see what they come up with. Yeah, tr- just challenge them. Truly, oh. give them a challenge. I mean, I mean, we're supposed to be artists, right? So, so we're going to be challenged in order to come up with new cool stuff. Excellent. So, other than other than the Highlander, which would be you know your your fantasy project, right. what is next? What is on the pipeline? And, and what I have in the pipeline right now, mm-hmm. um, I have uh, an action movie that that um, that I'm really excited about that I've been developing for for a long, long time, and it would be, uh, and I'm courting a really, really big. Uh, uh, 90s action star for the movie, and if I mm. if I if I get him, um, that will be a kind of a career, a career game changer. But wow, okay. Uh, my 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 idea was to create um, a 90s action stars Unforgiven. Wow, okay. So it would be like their last great swan song, mm-hmm. a la Clint Eastwood and his and his westerns. And and it, and it's a and it's a and the movie itself is a modern action western, so it kind of have those kind of western elements, but in a modern setting. And um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really I'm really stoked for that. And then I also have a um, uh, a, a a drama, which is a um, a three you know like a three million dollar budget drama that mm-hmm. is basically one flew over the cuckoo's nest from the from the nurse's perspective. Um, Interesting. And. Um, and that I think could be really cool as well. And that, that would that that might actually shoot first. Um, and then I also have kind of a supernatural thriller that's uh, one part horror movie, one part superhero movie, one part love story. I kind of okay. Kind of describe it as Insidious meets Ghost meets Unbreakable. Wow, that is quite the uh, uh, collaboration of, of films and ideas. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I just, you know, I, I guess I, I've, I've just always wanted to blend all the movies I loved into one, you know? Yeah. I mean, and yeah, so far, I mean, the the press has been great, you know, for beta tests. One of the things that, that I think is, is kind of cool that you're able to kind of, you know, again, kind of blend is when I was, you know, watching the trailer, you know, you have these action stars or at least a recognizable action star for me from each of the decades. So, <laughs> you know, you have Yushi Okamoto, you know, from Karate Kid 2. And then you have Lyndon Ashby, who me and a bunch of other people remember as Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. Right. And then you have Manu Bennett kind of representing, you know, the 2000s. So that was really cool to kind of, as a, as a martial arts and action movie fan, to recognize all of those kind of pieces. Nice. 
So yeah, that's that's. I mean, that my. I mean, you know, it was it was um, that was you know partly my intention is you know is, is to is I'm trying to create this kind of throwback to films that I loved growing up, and so I'm I'm kind of I'm hitting you know all, I'm, I'm trying to hit that thematically in the way that I cast the film as well. Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, you seem you seem to have succeeded. So uh, just kind of yeah to wrap things up, uh, beta test will be out in a very limited release here in Seattle for the mm-hmm. next couple weeks. And then when is it getting kind of released wider or are you kind of doing a limited thing like this all over the place? Uh, so we're, we're opening, I think, I think it's 18 theaters uh, on Friday uh, in various parts of the country. Awesome. Um, you know, we've got theaters in, 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 I think we've got three different theaters in Washington. We've got, uh, you know, San Francisco, LA, Phoenix, Houston, uh, you know, Florida, New York, Washington D.C., Philadelphia, various Oklahoma, Denver, Detroit—you know, a bunch of bunch of like key cities around the country mm-hmm. that, that I felt would be good targets for this film. Um, and, and quite honestly, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting a huge bang from the theatrical release for, for this film. It would be a very nice surprise if it did right. did really well in theaters. But really, the theatrical release for this film is is a marketing tool. It's mm-hmm. it's it's to say, hey, we got this theatrical release. Um, and we are a quality indie action film. Please come see us. You know, whether that be in theaters or or on Blu-ray, VOD, DVD, etc. That indie release is is really just there to to help propel it into giving uh, into to a to a hopefully higher level of uh, prestige. And again, it is your audition tape for bigger and and just crazier things possibly a highlander reboot down the road that'd be awesome <laughs> excellent well again i've been talking to nicholas genie the movie is beta test stars manu bennett Lorenz tate lyndon ashby uh where can people find you on social media where can people find the film and where it is screening yeah um so I, uh the the facebook page for the film is facebook.com slash beta test the movie mm-hmm. uh, and the Twitter handle is uh, at beta test movie. And uh, those are p- being pretty regularly updated with, with, um, you know, articles and reviews. And I'm sure this one will be on there too. And, uh, and, and you know, various tidbits yeah. for the release. Um, so that's a good place to check, check out info. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, Nicholas. I really appreciate it. I mean, Seattle is, is a crazy place. Uh, this interview ended up taking place about three hours later than we had originally planned because <laughs> just life happened. So I really do appreciate uh, your time. And you. uh, yeah, of course. And as for this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. We are on iTunes. We always appreciate subscriptions and we really appreciate five star ratings, to be honest. Uh, so you can go on there. And yeah, there we go. So we will see you next time. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it.